0: county my validity and even sanity will no doubt be questioned and it will be used against me that i am not a specialist in this field or any other for that matter i make this entry available to all in the hopes that men of science will follow my recommendations in this published world as they have ignored my verbal warnings up until this point while altogether this warning may fall on deaf ears I will be able to say that I did the most that I could with a clear conscience when the impending invasion begins. Many will dismiss my discoveries as the ramblings of a madman, but I am certain that I will open the eyes of some non-believers who, I can only pray, will take up the cause with me and share in this most unbearable of burdens. Doubt is inevitable, but in the end I must rely on my own judgment. Judgment that could perhaps lead to saving numerous lives, and ultimately, the world. My knowledge of the thing began in the winter of 1415, when my great-uncle passed away. I travelled to his residence just outside of Philadelphia, in neighbouring Berks County. My great-uncle, Franklin Louis Yardley, had been the head of invasive species studies at Burke's Technical Institute, and in his passing had left behind all of his research. His lawyer called me in to decide what would become of it all. The three-hour journey from Philadelphia had been arduous and taxing on my body and soul. When I arrived at my uncle's lawyer's office, the hour was late, and he was packing up to leave.
1: Wear clothes. Come back tomorrow morning. Please.
2: I have traveled very far, and can't come back tomorrow. I'm here about Franklin Yardley.
0: At this pronouncement, he dropped both his jaw and his suitcase. He hadn't had time to close and lock the case before I arrived, so its contents spilled out onto the floor in a tumbled mass. From what I saw in his haste to collect his scattered belongings, I came to believe that he was in fact living out of his suitcase, because in addition to the papers, he also dropped an exorbitant amount of loose change and many wrinkled shirts and several large paintings and a lamp for good measure. He stared up at me as he cleaned up his belongings, never breaking eye contact never blinking. I watched as he gathered, never breaking eye contact, never blinking. I could have helped. Come again?
2: I already said I could not.
1: I thought you said Franklin Yardley. Then you thought
0: right. With a rapid release of breath, he explained that my great-uncle had left everything to me even though his wife and five children were all alive and well. He said it had to do with something about my addictive personality and how he knew I would, in my uncle's words, see it through to the end.
2: See what through?
0: This. He reached into his jacket pocket and pulled out a bulging manila folder, which had clearly seen better days, smudged with dirt and held together by duct tape. On the front of the manila folder, in big, black bold letters, the words S-L-F-CULT, were printed.
1: What does it mean? To answer that, we'll need to take a boat ride.
0: The lawyer had chartered a vessel for our journey around the globe that left within the hour. I stopped by my great-uncle's house to gather some extra clothes for my journey. The house itself seemed to glow in the dead of night, as I rounded the final bend and watched it rise on the horizon. Each and every piece of flora seemed to vibrate as I made my way onto the property. I loosened my safety belt and quickly rolled down the pane of glass, separating me from this alien world, and could not help but note, to no one in particular, that there was no wind to be heard, or felt. And as I slowly steered my car down my great-uncle's dirt driveway, I spotted numerous winged insects flicker in the lamplight and vacate the porch. Even though I had a key, I had to force my way through the door, as it seemed the locks had since been changed. The door itself was sticky to the touch, and the entire façade seemed to be covered in a gluey, slimy residue. Luckily, it appeared that my aunt and cousins had left months ago. Perhaps my great-uncle's obsession had driven him into isolation and pushed him to the verge of madness. I quickly gathered all of the supplies that I needed for our trip, which are too numerous to list now, but I will, of course, conveniently have each specific item later should I run into a scenario where I will need said item. I hurried back to my car and called my girlfriend on my way to the docks. They went straight to voicemail.
3: Stop calling me. We broke up a year ago. You know who you are.
2: Hey, babe. I'm not going to be coming home tonight like I originally said. God willing, I'll be back in a month or so. Don't wait up. I love you.
0: I knew she would be heartbroken to hear that I was leaving, so thankfully I got her voicemail. But now, in spite of everything, I felt a growing obligation in my bones to see this through. Something was telling me that this was bigger than anything I could possibly imagine. As we left the dock in Burke's County, I noticed that our old jalopy was coated with the same slime my uncle's house had been covered in, meaning that our vessel emitted the same strange glow as it glided across the water.
2: Eerie, isn't it? But I thought this was Burke's County.
0: The engine had a ghostly hum, and as I climbed aboard, I couldn't help but notice that much of the wood on the ship seemed to be Rotted away, with large chunks of the hull missing. How she stayed afloat was beyond me. The initial portion of the journey was, for the most part, a pleasant one. The ship had a bartender, Kino, who made the best rum cannonball I ever tasted. That sounds familiar. Did you get that from somewhere else? No? Original. Sure. Um, All right. Just like the rest of this. Well, where was I? It's a shame he died the way he did. I didn't read that next line, so that was kind of a surprise to me. I passed most of the time poring over my great-uncle's notes and reading up on this SLF cult. It seems that they worshipped a giant idol whose face was repugnant and had a giant wingspan. Each time I read the notes, however, I became sleepy and would put them down, but vowed to come back to it in order to start piecing together this mystery. Pulling into the dark halfway around the world, I noticed many more of the winged insects which I had observed on my great uncle's farm. That and the chanting. The chanting was a primal, guttural chanting. Segway Lantian Peloe Pagia! Segway Lantian Is that... I don't... Any notes on that? Alright, All right, keep going. The mass of people seemed endless. They stood, what seemed to be, right on top of each other. But upon moving closer, I realized they were in a stadium of sorts. Working themselves into a frenzy, when one attendee would pass out, the others would hold them up. The swaying and chanting grew stronger, and from the center of the arena, an enormous sculpture rose. Hideously constructed, its wings touched the green-tinted sky first. It looked to be chiseled out of a kind of marble that I could not identify, and the finish was what I can only describe as the sheen from an oil slick. The spots on the idol looked more like missing pieces, its legs extending out into the crowd and some writhing around them. But the most disturbing thing, dear listener, were the eyes. Big, black, sunken-in eyes. Through the pulsating crowd, mine own eyes moved over them, and forcefully locked with them. The normal confines of time and space ceased to exist, and the only thing that I knew in that moment was our eternal staring contest. The never-ending darkness consumed my thoughts, and eventually pushed further into the fight for my very soul. The last thing I remember was the chanting reaching a fever pitch, and the darkness swelling into a bright light. I awoke four months later back in Berks County. I knew how much time had passed based from the calendar on my phone. My great-uncle's lawyer had been tending to me. We have to go back.
1: I don't think that's such a good idea. The last time we went, you nearly died. And our ship barely made it back home. There's no amount of convincing you can do that'll ever make me want to go back. Get your coat. Very well.
0: I felt a growing nervousness as we sailed across the ocean to the destination that I had just visited, and had that feeling within me which all homo sapiens have before making a long trek, that I had forgotten something.
2: Turn it around. I forgot my uncle's research.
0: Wallet, keys, phone... (laughs) Although we were halfway through our second journey, I had to travel back, for my great-uncle's papers were imperative to the continuation of his research. This misstep cost us invaluable time, but it would be well worth it in the end. Will it, though? That, that paragraph seems extemporaneous. <clears throat> our second journey was much more fraught with troubles than the first. I felt a heaviness that I had never experienced before, but I would trade that heaviness with the current terrors which now haunt my dreams and chill my bones. Back then I was blissfully ignorant of the horrors that lay waiting ahead. The seas were unforgiving, like an old man trying to return soup at a deli, and seemed to be telling us to turn back and give up this fool's errand. And knowing what I do now, I only wish we had heeded its warning. On the third night of our journey, the engines cried out and halted suddenly. I quickly rose from my bunk and made my way up to the top deck. The sea had calmed, and was as straight and still as I can recall ever seeing the sea. It was like glass, reflecting our own drawn, wind-burnt faces and Swiss cheese ship's hull back at us. I ran into my aunt, great-uncle's lawyer, who had just came back from talking to the captain, who, although I had never seen him, apparently spoke no English, which would make it hard for him and I to communicate, as I, being an ignorant American who only knew how to spoke American, and with an American accent. The captain says they don't want to run aground.
2: I don't see any aground.
0: I didn't see any aground at first glance across the sea. Until I did see it. The black clouds parted, and suddenly there appeared a large island.
2: This doesn't make any sense. This should not be land mass. It should still be wet here.
1: And I don't think islands move towards you when the boat is anchored.
0: Lawyer was right. The island did appear to be moving towards us. As it crept closer and closer, I noticed that the dark land mass was humming. I pulled my glasses from my coat pocket and instantly realized that this was no island at all, but a swarm of insects. The same insects which I had first seen at my uncle's house and again on our visit to the idols. I was starting to see a pattern, but one that I could not figure out just yet. It would take more time piecing together my uncle's notes before I could decipher just what was going on here. Chaos broke out as the winged creatures bore down on our vessel. The crew had realized too late that this was no island approaching us. Pandemonium engulfed the front of the ship. The sea began to churn again, and the head of the swarm surged onto the ship, filling the eyes and ears of all of the men aboard. Each of my legs were frozen to the deck, and if it wasn't for the lawyer, scooping me up like a newlywed bride, I am certain I would have ended up inside the bellies of one million of the winged nightmares of the monstrous horde. As we made our way up to the cockpit, my head bouncing off of the various rungs on the stairs, I noticed that half of the crewmen were on their knees, folded in half, with their palms flat on the deck beneath them, and they were chanting, it was hard to make out past the screaming of the crewmen that were being eaten and the steady drone of the beating wings but I caught the chant on the wind before the lawyer closed the door behind us Segway lantian pelaway pejia Segway lantian pelaway Pagia. It was the same chant as before There was some sort of connection forming between everything here but I still could not put my finger on it An unspeakable noise rippled through the ship, coming from the stern, followed by throes of angry waves that shook the ship to its core and tore huge pieces off of our vessel. Our aluminium coffin shuddered uncontrollably as the lawyer and I grabbed the nearest nailed-down item to stop from sliding across the floor. Keeping a tight grip, we each returned to our feet to see that we were riding the waves like an uncontrollable pendulum. In the distance, we could see a gigantic glowing shape under the water, moving quickly away from the boat, with a swarm following close behind.
2: All of the red stuff inside my body is telling me to follow that thing. First,
1: I don't know how to operate this boat. Full steam ahead. Very well.
0: We gave the engine all that it could take, which wasn't much considering it seemed to be on its way out. The mysterious glowing shape under the sea was already past the horizon line by the time we reached the spot where we first spotted it, but we could still see the tail end of the swarm. Lawyer pushed the ship's engine to the brink, and I made my way out to the deck to assess the damage to Our Lady and her crew. As I made my way through the wreckage, I noticed that there were several crew members still alive, badly ripped apart and screaming, but alive. I grabbed one and shook him for answers. No answers came. Being headless didn't help, but he looked like the crew member, most likely to speak English. I, alas, had to move on.
2: You there! Why were you chanting to the flies?
0: The crewman explained to me, in a language that I did not understand, that they were not average flies. He called them Lycoma delicatula, or better known in English as...
2: But first, a word from our sponsors. If you're like me, you love Halloween candy, but you are sick and tired of paying 20 40 sometimes even $100 for the high-end brand name candy, well, this Halloween, purchase your candy in bulk at wholesale prices from Pops Candy Emporium. Pops Candy Emporium has all of your candy needs under one roof. That's right. They've got hard candy. They've got sugar-free hard candy. They've got hard candy that's just okay. And hard candy that isn't good at all. Any candy you want, as long as it's sugar-free hard candy that's been in an old man's pocket all day long. Check them out now at PopsCandyEmporium.com That's Emporium. P O P S C A N D Y E M P O R I U M dot com. Pops Candy Emporium dot com. Any candy you want, as long as it's sugar free hard candy that's been in an old man's pocket all day long. Now, back to the program.
3: THE SPOTTED lanternfly.
2: Certainly I must have misunderstood you. It's called what?
0: He spoke the beast's name again, and I had heard him correctly the first time. Ah, so
2: it illuminates.
0: He explained to me that it did not, in fact, illuminate.
2: It is spotted and can fly, though?
0: He explained that the creature did, in fact, have those attributes.
2: So tell me, where does the lantern aspect fit
0: in? He went on a long, convoluted rant about how no one knows. Continuing on, he spun a tale of a queen of the swarm who promised the cult that followed her a seat beside her throne once the swarm had eradicated the earth. I told him that would never happen. Especially with Americans on the case, because America and its citizens have never botched anything in the history of the world, and if anything, they have only made the world better. Alas, he did not understand. The crewman went on to explain that the Queen was centuries old, and lived underneath the Earth's surface, communicating through the swarm and the minds of the cult members when they dreamed. He referred to the Queen only as... Mother... At least that's what I think he said. I couldn't understand him. I was able to communicate with him enough to let him know that our journey must proceed. We needed to follow the swarm to find Mother and stop her from destroying the world. The crewman agreed only because he thought Mother would be pleased with him for bringing her enemies to devour. However, I already had New Year's Eve plans, which were non-refundable, so I knew that no matter what, I would make it out of my encounter with Mother alive. The sea grew angrier as we pursued the swarm, and what I can only surmise was Mother herself. Waves crashed over the bow of the ship as we ponied back and forth, riding the swells like a crazed seesaw. The crewman, now behind the wheel, relished the thought of us being swallowed whole by the sea. He said so much to the lawyer. I made my way across the ship to parley with both of them, and as the lawyer looked my way, his eyes suddenly grew larger. For a split second, they appeared to be black and never-ending, just as the idols were, and I felt myself lost again. He broke my mesmerization when he pointed behind me in horror. A wave as tall as the Chrysler Building was curling over all of our heads. If I was a man of religion, I would have dropped to my knees and recited the Lord's Prayer. But I knew that when a man makes plans, he keeps them, and those New Year's Eve plans were as solid as a rock, and, of course, non-refundable. I did brace myself to make the impact less jarring, but in the end, it was of no use. Before any of us could let out a word, the wave was upon us, and rolling our poor little tin can over on its side, all three of us were jostled around the cabin, and I heard the steel cry out as I knocked my skull against it. As our boat was thrashing in the mighty jaws of the ocean, my mind was transported to a dark city, one that I could never have dreamed up, even in my most dire moments. All civilization as we know it was eradicated, wiped out from the entire globe, and in its place was a single city, built upon the sun-bleached bones of mankind. All buildings were gone, and replaced with twisted domiciles that hummed and twitched as my consciousness Flew past. Smoke billowed from smoldering embers of the scorched earth, and I realized with growing horror that there was no flora to be found. Not a single tree or bush in sight. Not a single green growing thing in this entire wretched wilderness. It was all gone, decimated by mother and her loyal subjects. As I floated over the wasteland, my eyes centered on a towering monolith creeping up over the horizon. Just then, a voice unlike that of any living thing I had ever heard began to echo inside my head.
3: This is the natural progression.
0: I began to move faster towards the giant. She was moving across the spoiled earth, stamping her legs viciously, crushing whatever had the misfortune to still exist below. Suddenly, the beast leapt forward with a dizzying speed. I was seeing Mother in all her ferocious glory. Suddenly, she spoke to me again.
3: This is how your world ends.
0: As I was drawn closer, I saw that she was without mercy. "'destroying the last surviving humans, "'even those few faithful who had worshipped her. "'I watched helplessly as she leaped to crush the people panicking below her, "'her swarm moving in behind her and mowing down the last remaining trees. "'There was no option for survival. "'If Mother didn't finish you, you would be consumed by the swarm. "'And if neither of those two got to you, well then,' the lack of oxygen would surely seal your doom and then i stood before her she crouched and rested pausing in her destruction she peered down at me and again i was locked in by her eyes frozen unable to even draw breath as her endless gaze pushed down upon me my skull began to throb and my brain felt like it would explode right to the top of my head It obviously didn't, because this is just a vision, I'm telling you this tale now, but thanks for coming along for the ride. Mother moved her hideous head as close to mine as she could without consuming me herself. I could feel her hot breath. The stink of decay, an odor of a thousand millennia beneath the Earth's surface rolled off her in waves.
3: This is how my world begins.
0: Her mouth opened, and I looked into the reeking blackness and what was surely my doom. Suddenly, I was awake on the shore, coughing up seawater, my ears still echoing with the screams of those unfortunate remnants of humanity, ringing in my ears. As I stood up, Lawyer explained to me that the wave had capsized our boat, and he had tied our bodies together and used the crewman's dead body as a flotation device to get us to shore.
1: Well, he wasn't dead when I tied us all together, but he would have wanted it that way.
0: I wanted to question the lawyer's logic here, but I decided against it. After all, he was a lawyer. He continued.
1: Unfortunately, all your uncle's papers were lost.
0: Having not read all of the findings in the papers, I decided it was not a huge loss.
2: I take no responsibility.
0: I told the lawyer about my vision as we pushed inland, through the jungle, in search of any hint of civilization. He brushed it off as a delusion of grandeur, or a nightmare fueled by paranoia, or perhaps the result of drinking too much seawater, and again I accepted his explanation of things without question, as he was a learned man. The further we moved into the island, the more I noticed the surrounding jungle was growing sparser, when it should have been growing denser. Then I saw it, the flash of red in my peripheral, and something landed on Lawyer's shoulder. A brave soldier from our army, a single lanternfly.
2: Hold it. Don't move.
0: The Lawyer froze in front of me. I reached into my deic sex machina and retrieved a machete. After a really cool-looking twirl, I brought that blade high above my head. I let out a yell and sliced Lawyer's arm, Clean off! I totally missed the lanternfly. 100%. Lawyer screamed in excruciating pain, and I stared in disbelief, cursing myself for missing the lanternfly. I looked down at the severed arm and saw that the winged insect was resting just inside Lawyer's now detached wrist. Upon closer examination, I realized it was a tattoo. Two of my sworn enemy, the Lanternfly. When I pressed Lawyer for answers, he stalled.
1: And what
2: is the meaning of this?
1: You are too simple minded to understand. Explain. Very well.
0: Lawyer revealed to me that he was indeed a part of the cult.
1: <laughs> I am indeed part of the cult.
0: And now he was bringing me here to feed. To Mother, just like he had done to my great-uncle. And now I am bringing you here to feed you to Mother,
1: just like I did to your great-uncle.
0: After careful consideration, I decided that he was the best friend I had ever had, and we both agreed that our journey needed to continue. He wanted it to continue so he could get in Mother's good graces and bring about the end of the world, and I wanted to continue to finish this damn story. I have to admit, he's a true professional. How much more is there of this? This is a lot. Is that door locked? The swarm seemed to only grow the closer we trekked to the center of the island. Beneath us, the soil vibrated, the persistent hum growing stronger and stronger. With each step, I knew we were coming closer to Mother. Suddenly, all noise in the jungle ceased. Every creature seemed to be put on pause, even the Owinga came crashing to a halt. We were now standing in the dead center of the island. As I turned to speak to Lawyer, the vibrations underground reached their paramount. The island opened up beneath us, the ground splitting like a taut seam, and swallowed us, shooting us down a gigantic tunnel. We went sliding through the darkness, and in hindsight, I have to admit, it was actually quite fun. Of course... Sliding to your death is terrifying, but you have to learn to appreciate the little things in life. Just then, the tunnel ended, and we were in a free fall into nothingness. At first, I could feel that I was spinning head over foot repeatedly, but after a few minutes of that, I lost all sense of direction. Eventually, it didn't even feel like falling anymore. The nothingness was endless. I couldn't tell whether mine eyes were open or closed, as the void gave off no light whatsoever. I cried out for Lawyer. At least I think I did, but no noise escaped my lips. The dark infinity pushed me to the brink of madness, and just as I was straddling the edge, I felt my entire body catch on something. Whatever I was grabbed by, hummed, fluttered, and I'll just get to it, it turned out to be the swarm. It had caught Lawyer and myself, and we were now being lowered into the core of the island the core was, you guessed it, none other than mother. Lawyer and I were lowered to our feet and placed directly beneath her. She stood taller than the statue created in her likeness and even taller than she had appeared in my vision. She was even more hideous in person. Her large fangs crisscrossed unnaturally in her maw as a green ooze bled out from behind them. The stink rolling off her was unbearable, and the hair on her body was sharp and shuffled with members of the swarm weaving in and out of it. Her eyes were somehow blacker than in my vision, with no light reflecting through them at all. Their ancient blackness had seen the destruction of one million civilizations over one million years. Lawyer dropped his knees before her.
1: Mother, I have brought you the would-be usurper.
0: As Lawyer spoke, Mother bucked twice, and her large teeth chattered as she threw her head back. Just then, a small subset of the swarm enclosed around Lawyer's head, and he let out a long scream. When they had retreated, I saw that Lawyer's eyes now matched Mother's. She had made him into her likeness. His eyes were now empty and black. They had been devoured by the swarm. He crawled forward until he reached one of her black spindly legs. He slowly kissed it and thanked her for his transformation. She again turned her gaze towards me.
1: My God! What's happening?
0: This time, she reared on her back legs and opened her giant towering wings. For the first time, I could see all. of her indescribable beauty. It's indescribable! Her wings were blazing crimson with black and white spots speckled throughout. The white was illuminated in the darkness and cast off a hypnotic glow. Her tail was that of a bee with yellow and black stripes and what looked to be a stinger, sharp and unquestionably deadly. Though beautiful, Her full rage was maddening, and in the moment I looked upon her, all of my beautiful dark hair instantly turned white. I knew I had to turn away or face my own death. In this instance, Lawyer had been lucky. I reached once more for my trusty machete, and ran as fast as I could for her exposed underbelly. As I moved towards her, she let out a banshee scream that vibrated through the island, and maybe even the world dear listener, you heard it too. I was restricted now by the vibrations of her voice, but I forced myself to push on though I could only move my body an inch at a time. Through her cry, she spoke to me again,
3: in my mind. You cannot kill what the stars created. You cannot destroy that which is eternal. Slowly, I
0: kept moving towards her, more determined than ever.
3: I shall live long past human life. Your time has ended. First, we shall destroy the flora. Then, we shall eat. And stomp out all that live beyond that.
2: There has to be another way.
3: There is not.
2: But why?
3: Why? 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 Because I said so!
0: In her rage, the vibrations stopped. With all of my remaining strength, I threw the machete towards her, and, to my amazement, the wind carried it swiftly into her stomach. What must have felt like a pinprick to her was enough to stall her powers for a moment, just long enough for me to fall, exhausted to the ground. She jumped high into the air and blasted through the crusty earthen ceiling, creating a new exit hole to the surface of the island. She called out to her swarm, beat her wings twice, and then she was gone. The reverberation from her beating wings created an earthquake on the island, and water began to fill the place where she had slept for centuries. Her swarm mobilized and quickly followed in her wake. As the cave began to fill with brackish seawater, I found myself steadily rising upwards. treading the water and bolstered by the beating wings of Mother's Swarm as they pressed towards the surface, there was no doubt now the island was sinking. From the depths below, water exploded out of the centre of the island, pushing me and the swarm back out and into the daylight. As I was thrown unceremoniously back into the living world, my skull crashed directly into the trunk of a tree. Again, I was unconscious. When I awoke, I was on the shores of the Delaware River, back home. The ocean must have carried me back to the place where I belonged. I can only assume that Lawyer drowned and died an agonizing death. He deserved it. Upon my return home, I had relocated to my uncle's home in Berks County to fight and destroy any and all members of the swarm that I might come across. I began by burning my uncle's house and land to the ground, which was no doubt a huge blow to Mother and her army. I had been traveling the country at night, and any time I see a large infestation, I burn the land without hesitation. I sleep easy at night, knowing that I am doing my part on American soil to stop the spread and delay the infestation. If only it wasn't from the nightmares. I still dream of Mother. She shows me various visions of how the world will end. She speaks to me still. Often in my dreams, and sometimes even in my waking hours, mostly when I come in contact sex of her army. She is ever-present. Her looming presence reminding me that she is out there, waiting. Berks County has issued a warrant for my arrest. I can't understand why, and forced me to return to Philadelphia. I can only assume that whoever issued the warrant must be working for Mother. ACAB. I know she is out there waiting, and I know with absolute certainty that one day, She will come for us all. As I write this final entry to my tale, I look to the trees in my yard. They are barren now, due to winter, but one day will bloom again, and this consoles me. But I notice one tree on the very edge of my property that is not barren, and it strikes fear into my heart. As it is the only one covered in red, twitching leaves.
2: And now, another word from our sponsors. Listen up, bride guys and bride gals. I know that you all are like me. You love spooky season. And on top of that, you love spooky music. And we both know that there is only one name leading the spooky music game. And that one name is, of course, Mashed Monsters. I know what you're thinking. Are Mashed Monsters announcing a tour and a new album? The answer is a resounding yes. You love Mashed Monsters for their electrifying live shows. But you love them even more for their uncanny ability to put together some of the best scary song mashups to ever grace your ears. And this new album is no different. Their new album, entitled Mashed Monsters Mashups of the Monster Mash by Mashed Monsters, drops on Halloween night. But the good news is you don't have to wait to hear some samples of the new tracks. That's what I'm here for. Up first is the new album's first single, Monster Mashup Party Mash. When it's radio, you can Monster Mash. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld in eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, doggy that is a banger but the jams don't stop there members frank and stein have turned up the heat with this instant classic monster wop
1: Pull out
3: gate, wee. Somewhere, ask this. Put this, 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 beat it up, make a catch a charge. It's a large and it's a hard. Put this pussy right in your face. Slap your nose like a pretty car. Hop on top.
2: Get a bucket and a mop, indeed, since we aren't even close to being done. Another great album track is one that's sure to be everyone's favorite, Hipster Mash. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula,
0: and his son.
2: The scene was rocking, though we're digging the sound. He got on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive. With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five, they played the Mash. They played the Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. And it was a graveyard smash. They played the
3: Mash.
2: It's caught on in a flash. They
1: played
2: the Mash. They played the Monster Mash. Out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, whatever happened to my Transylvania twist?
1: It's now the Mash. It's now the Monster Mash.
3: The Monster Mash.
1: It's now a graveyard smash.
2: It's
3: now a mash.
1: It's caught on in a flash.
2: It's now the Mash. It's now the Monster Mash. And finally, the creme de la creme from Mashed Monster's very own DJ, DJ Rakula. It's Werewolf number five.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five.
2: Good news is, is you can head to their website right now to download some of these songs. That website is of course mashedmonsters.bandzoogle.com. That's m-a-s-h-e-d, m-o-n-s-t-e-r-s dot b-a-n-d z-o-o-g-l-e dot com. Or you can hit the link in the description, or check out the link in my link tree. But that's not all. If the new tracks are not enough for you. You can catch Mashed Monsters on tour throughout October. The Mash the House Down Tour 2020 is coming to a town near you, including stops in Maine, Ohio, New Jersey, and all culminating in the album release show at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. So get your tickets now, get the new tracks now at mashedmonsters.bandzoogle.com. Wow, what a week! Thank you to the Bright Weekly Players. Kevin, Kate, Rob, and Lauren. I want to thank Mashed Monsters. Thank you to Chris for the additional tracks. Thank you to Pop's Candy Emporium. I want to thank this cast and crew. I want to thank Lauren for having me. Until next time, good night, take care, and I love you, Mom.